YouTube. It's one of the OGs in the content marketing world and is becoming more of a social platform every single day. And today I'm super excited to have Trina Little back on the podcast to talk about YouTube updates, YouTube shorts, AI and YouTube, and more. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Savvy Social Podcast, the show that blends stories and strategies to help businesses create engaged and profitable online communities using the unique power of social media. And now your host, Andrea Jones. Trina, welcome back to the show. Hi, thanks for having me back. I always love talking with you because I feel like I can geek out about all things YouTube. And today's no different. Um, So in the past year-ish, how has YouTube changed? I I feel YouTube is becoming more and more on people's radar, right? Um, It has taken a long time for me. It's been honestly like the longest pooling of teeth (laughs) to convince people the power that YouTube could have. And I think, again, as more and more platforms pop up, the more frustrated we get. We're just looking for something easy-ish, something sustainable, something that doesn't require us to post uh, multiple times a day for multiple kinds of posts, <clears throat> Instagram. Um, and so I think that's one of the biggest things that's changed in the past year is people are looking more at YouTube as a viable option for a content strategy. Uh, but I don't think everybody's doing it the most efficient way. And I think they're still burning out on YouTube because they aren't looking at it the right way. Oh, okay. I want to talk more about this because I think that's me. Hello. I, yes. so. <laughs> For a little bit of context for new listeners, I got my start on YouTube. Um, I was blogging in 2004. I started my YouTube channel in 2007. I personally love YouTube strategies, YouTube as a platform. I met friends on YouTube. I went to the very first VidCon. I am in. like I'm fully in it. And it is still really hard for me to create content there. Even now, I'm even harder on myself because I'm in the industry now. Back then, I was just mm-hmm. post about my life. So I find it hard and I end up burning out on trying to post weekly videos because I feel like they have, they're a lot more polished than podcasts are, right? It's not really a conversation. And, and then I, I go a couple of weeks without posting one. So why do you think that that is like, I, am I looking at YouTube in the wrong way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I there are two different things that I want to talk about when it comes to YouTube, but I do want to address the polish piece of YouTube because I do think one of the positives of the rise of TikTok is more informal, raw type content. And we can really look at YouTube now as just being yourself. Um Obviously, when we are filming on YouTube, you don't have to worry. I think my lunch is on the floor right now, but because the camera is only on a certain angle, that's all the only thing that people are seeing. And so we want to think about that when we're doing YouTube. It doesn't have to be on a sound studio. It doesn't have to be professional, but the content has to hit. The content has to solve that problem that your audience is having. So I think we get into our head again way often than not about how quote unquote professional the video needs to look, but more people are, I think 
I'm blanking on the word, but more relaxed on how the content looks because we do see TikToks and we do see reels that are very, very unpolished. And so it is more acceptable over there. Um, The other thing I wanted to talk about is as entrepreneurs, and this is a hard piece for me to always wrap my mind around too, we need to look at YouTube differently than quote unquote YouTubers or content creators because we as entrepreneurs aren't going after the masses and it's not our goal to go viral. What happens when you go viral, you could totally jack up the algorithm and not attract the right people, i.e., the warm leads, the people that want to work with you, the people that want to hire you, that people, the people that want to buy from you. And so as entrepreneurs, I think we get into our head with that perfectionism of the best video because we want it to go viral and we want to get lots of views and subscribers. When reality, we need to just be targeting the right audience, which we know we've all niched into our professional. We all know what we're good at. We all know what our specialty is. We just need to find those people on YouTube that are looking for that specialty and focus on creating that type of content that's going to drive those people and not the masses. Yeah, you're right. I definitely am comparing myself to YouTubers. I feel like too, that's because the content that I consume um, Mm -hmm. happens to be YouTubers. And I I cannot film a day in the life for the life of me. My team keeps asking me to even do a tiny one for TikTok. And I'm like, if I'm not in my office, I don't have my camera with me. I'm not thinking about it. Yeah, absolutely um, not. The relief. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I've tried. I I can do maybe one day in the life each year. When I'm like, okay, I'm committed. I'm going to do it. And it's usually around once a year I can get one out. But no, because they, we got to think YouTubers, their monetization stream is the more views they have, the more AdSense money they make, the more the brands are going to pay to put ads on their content. But we already have our business model. We don't need the masses. We just need the right people because if you you have a hundred clients, like okay, we're maxed out at a hundred, right? You literally can't take on a hundred clients. So if you literally just got a hundred of the right people watching your content, you could be maxed out in your agency, right? Um, if you're doing YouTube the right way. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. I needed that, <laughs> and I'm going to internalize that and and take it with me. I I just wanted to say I'm the same way because I started watching YouTubers as well. And I still do to get ideas and how I want to create content and refresh mine. But it is, it's like, okay, or I watch a lot of documentaries and I'm like, oh, but I should do that with my content or I should do that. But it's people are coming to YouTube. The people you want to attract are coming to YouTube to get a problem solved. They don't care if you have a super cool transition or if you um, are moving your camera in five different angles or you have a back shot of you filming it. They don't care. They need the solution to their problem. Yeah. Yes. They just want someone to help them. I fully believe that and I'm I'm going to embody it now. Um, so, so I'm curious though, you know, what types of videos are working well specifically for, you know, business owners, entrepreneurs, like that thought leadership style person? Um, what's one video idea that's working really well right now? I believe you can honestly get away with just doing talking head videos. And I'm going to tell you, you could probably do one a week and have a consistent stream of traffic to your offers. But the key is to really understand your one person. 
What is the problem that they're having? How are they talking about it? What are the words that they are saying? Um, and so it's hard to just say that this is the one particular video that you need to do, but you've really got to know what are the problems that your person is searching into YouTube because you want to make sure when they search it into YouTube or they search it into Google, you have the answer and you have it worded exactly how they were like, Yes, how are they in my head? And so that's how you want to be thinking about any one video that you create is that your person finds you on YouTube and sees a video and was like, how is she in my head right now? Yeah. And I bet that takes quite a lot of research to kind of get to that point of knowing that person. Um, but I have had people say that to me about my social media posts before. So it totally makes sense to just, mm-hmm. just do the same thing on YouTube, Andrea. It's not that, not that hard. I don't know. I don't know why I have a block about this right now, but I'm in a YouTube slump. So I'm glad that I'm talking to you. <laughs> um, and I, I do want to address short form content on YouTube because I feel like YouTube's trying to push shorts themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, like they want creators to create shorts and it's, it's a response to TikTok because it feels like creators have kind of shifted their attention over to TikTok. Although there are times there's, there's a lot of TikToks about YouTube right now, people going back to YouTube. So YouTube shorts, do they work? Should we post them? So I continue to remain on the fence with YouTube shorts and my channel itself. We test it. We get results. I'm like, "Mm, not really what we're looking for. And then we don't do it. And then we test it again. Here's kind of our thought process. So we are trying to attract leads as business owners on YouTube. Those people probably aren't tapping on the shorts, the YouTube shorts tab and watching content because that even TikTok content is more entertainment-based, right? We go to TikTok to be entertained. We go to TikTok to waste time. Even if that's how people are consuming YouTube shorts, which is hard to say if we are transitioning people to think about YouTube shorts uh, as a place to go entertain and waste time, but that's how it's being built out, entertainment kind of content. As business owners, we're doing educational long-form content because somebody is going to be a much hotter lead if they watch a 20, 25-minute video or multiple 10, 15-minute videos from you than just, I think, shorts is 59 seconds or less. So you also want to think about the quality of lead that you are getting. I mean, if you are posting content on TikTok or Reels, I don't think it's a terrible idea to maybe repost it on shorts. That's a strategy we're looking at right now to see if it does help us grow. But my biggest hesitation is, is the algorithm going to put us in a wrong box and start attracting the wrong people because of our short content? Um, I'm not sure yet. We are actively testing this, but that's why I've been so on the fence with shorts is because is it worth the time even to re-upload those videos uh, when my audience as an entrepreneur looking to have their problem solved, going to shorts even to watch a 59 second short about how to script a YouTube video. Are they going to sit down and literally watch a 20 minute video where I go into detail about creating a script for a YouTube video? For me, that's probably a much more quality lead. And when they get to my sales page, they're going to be much more ready to buy. Uh, And so the conversion rate for me is going to be a lot higher if I focus on longer form content. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely see that. I know with, um, we have two clients right now, um, YouTube 
and they manage that themselves. We just repurpose their like TikToks and Reels, YouTube Shorts. And whenever we don't, we do see their views go down. And I feel like my theory is that YouTube's rewarding people that uses the section that they want them to use. But is it the right reward system? It feels like a a tactic or a hack that's just currently working. But Mm -hmm. the long-term ramifications, we don't know what that would be. We don't know if these are the right people. So that's a really good question to think about. And I think a positive of YouTube Shorts, potentially, is increasing your visibility. Um, It may allow you to broaden your reach and you know, let's say you, you know, you throw a hundred darts at a dartboard and maybe two of them hit. So maybe out of the, the bigger reach you're getting from shorts, maybe you're pulling the right people in. But again, it's so hard to tell right now. And I think that's a really good point that you make, um, that yes, a hundred percent YouTube is going to reward people using features, but they rewarded people that were using, you know, their story style and, we hear in the background that they're rewarding people with shorts. But I also don't know if the YouTube shorts algorithm is sophisticated enough to put your content yet in front of the right people. Like TikTok has it down. Like I mentioned, I think about something and I get a TikTok the next day on it. (laughs) I just don't know if the YouTube short algorithm is there yet to send the right people my content. Yeah, I agree. Like I've had a few shorts take off and it's just angry people in the comment. You know how YouTube oh, comment section. It's yeah. like the YouTube That's comment the section just people. now. <laughs> yeah, just now on shorts. And I'm like, I don't just yeah, move on with your day. I don't get it. But yeah, I definitely see that. Okay. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I do want to talk about artificial intelligence a little bit too. Um, so we will get back in a second. Do you feel like you're in a love-hate relationship with Instagram? Well, I totally feel you. With all of these new features being added, it could feel a little bit like feature overload. That's why I'm hosting the Instagram Bootcamp live this year, August 21st through 24th. Come on and join me if you're ready to find your rhythm with Instagram again, create content that works in tandem with the algorithm, build organic connections that help you move your business forward and reignite your passion in creating content. So if you're ready to fall back in love with Instagram again, join me for the Instagram bootcamp. Go to onlinedrea.com slash bootcamp to learn more. Okay. We are back. I want to talk about AI, but I have one follow-up question on on the algorithm because you mentioned the algorithm for shorts. Um, and so when we think about the algorithm for our long-form content, I still find that it's very much search-based discovery and not like TikTok's algorithm, which is we're just going to try to match you with content we think you'd like. Is that still the case today? Uh, so the way we look at the algorithm, because I'm not as versed on TikTok. I mean, I'm a consumer. I don't 
dive into it on TikTok. But the way the algorithm works best on YouTube is, again, you have to be clear on who you are talking to. And it has to be a specific person. Like even when I was just creating content on how to grow on YouTube, that is so broad. Um, and it's not going to get me the right people. So when I zoned in and I'm focusing specifically on um, course creators using YouTube to generate more sales, I can talk about more specific topics that they are searching when they search YouTube. So what that does is when you focus in the beginning on that search-based traffic, you start to build an audience that gives YouTube information on who is the most likely person to watch your content. So as it's collecting that data and people are finding you through search, those people that find you through search are then going to be recommended your videos on the homepage or recommended your videos on suggested. And this is what starts kind of that hockey stick growth that you hear YouTube educators talk about. So that curve and that hockey stick starts to happen when you've created solid search-based traffic that you're building an audience and they're starting to watch more of your content because now the algorithm is serving it on home and suggested. And then that's when YouTube can really hone in on who your person is. And it can start putting your videos now in front of other people on their home and their suggested. So that's not just YouTube search driving you traffic, but it's now YouTube clearly understanding where you fit in the algorithm bubble and who is the best person to watch your content. So it's really your responsibility to understand your audience and what they're going to be searching for if you want the algorithm to work in your favor and reach more of those people. Um, and so just kind of like a short synopsis of what the algorithm does. That's kind of how you can see that hockey stick growth. I mean, it all starts with truly understanding. And this is probably one of the things I work with my clients and students most is let's dig a little deeper on that audience. Let's dig a little bit deeper. No, but what is the real problem? Because YouTube can't figure it out for you. You have to know it before you get the algorithm to categorize you. Yeah, that's a really good point too about helping YouTube help you. Like, mm -hmm. like, yeah, let's give it the information it needs so that they, they can help you and put you in the right spot. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Okay. So what about AI? Like, should we be scared about using AI for YouTube or is it okay? I think AI is definitely helpful. Just talking about understanding your audience, you can go into something like ChatGTP and start building out a true understanding of who your audience is and maybe like weed it down to that specific person. I think like AI-based videos, like where you're just typing it in and it's a robot talking or however you want to jazz it up. I don't think that's going to take the place of humans. We always are going to want to have human interaction. And so if you are showing up each week, helping your audience, there's nothing that's going to take that away because we're still humans and we want that connection. We want that um, feeling like we have people we can trust on YouTube. Um, other things that are working with AI is, like I said, using chat GTP. To even come up with content ideas. VidIQ now has a lot of AI ability inside of it. We use it to help us come up with title ideas because titles are so important on a video. We don't obviously copy and paste what they give us, but it gives us a starting point and we may like mix and match a couple ideas. Um, the last time I was in VidIQ as well, there's even an entire 
tab, uh, I saw, I just saw it for the first time I was in there the other day. It will help you come up with the title. It'll help you come up with the thumbnail concept and help you write the video. And so more and more of you who are saying you don't have the time for YouTube, AI is helping us speed it up, <laughs> speed up the process. You know, you've probably, you talked to your clients and in your audience about this too. Like we're obviously not going to copy and paste what AI gives us, but it gives us a really good jump start on some good content um, and not just starting at ground zero every time. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of vidIQ. I did not know that they had that in there. So I'm going to go play because that's really where... I don't know if you struggle with this too. When you've been talking about something for so long, like I'm coming up on 10 years. <laughs> when yeah. you talk about something for 10 years, sometimes you're like, I feel like I've said everything. Mm -hmm. And having the AI give you that fresh perspective, that new idea can be really helpful to kind of move you forward with more more content. So I'm going to explore. And they even do like, um, they give you 10 video ideas or something like that a day. If you go in <laughs> every day, you can look at their 10 ideas and you can thumbs up it or thumbs down it and it will save and like a future reference for you to go back to. It's almost like an idea bank. And the more you do that, obviously it starts to understand what you like so it can start to really craft the right kind of content. But yeah, I I really I really like it. I just found that feature too the other day with the the title and the thumbnail. I couldn't tell you where it was at because I literally only saw it once the other day. But I was like, oh wow, okay. Now I, I definitely nobody can have excuses. <laughs> yes, there are no excuses now. Um seen, heard, understood. Let me go make some <laughs> YouTube videos. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, so you, you mentioned using this for your clients as well. Um, with these AI tools, you mentioned the titles, the thumbnails, and the content of the videos. What about things like keywords or, you know, how, how else are you using artificial intelligence? Yeah. So again, back to vidIQ. It has a feature in there where you can pop in a keyword and it will tell you how often it's searched per month and how competitive it is. And so we actually do this full on keyword harvesting process with our clients where we basically find, you know, what are the 20 top words or phrases that you would want people to find you around? And then we go into vidIQ and we harvest out those keywords and we find other related keywords. We find other topics. We look at their search per month. Um, we look at, you know, uh, what the competition is. And when we're done with this process, there are literally thousands, sometimes, you know, 4,000, 5,000 keywords and phrases that we're working with. And then we go through a process of cleansing it. And what this allows us to do is hone in on that specific audience. And we make sure that all of our content is talking to that specific audience. And it allows us to create series. It allows us to understand what types of content we're going to talk about. Like um, maybe for me, it's obviously YouTube, maybe video editing, maybe sales funnels, but it allows me to create different categories of content that still talks to my person. That is typically a course creator wanting to use YouTube to generate organic traffic to their course. Uh, and so uh, that's not necessarily AI, so to speak, but it is a tool that we use to truly understand how people are searching for our content and to ensure each one of our videos is going to show up when our audience needs us the most. Yes, I love this. And I love that you've 
really outlined a direction forward with this because I think it can feel overwhelming looking at a blank slate and the amount of things that you can use with AI. Like I'm so excited to go play with vidIQ because I've been paying for it and I use it sometimes. I need to use it more. Um, you also mentioned in the green room about TubeBuddy. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a preference, vidIQ, TubeBuddy? I don't. They each do a little bit different things, but similar. Um, that The keyword harvesting process that we do is a lot easier on vidIQ, so that's why we tend to spend more time over there. Their AI capabilities have gone a little bit further than TubeBuddy has, but I do know they have a lot of great AI things coming up um, in the pipeline. One thing that TubeBuddy also has recently is a thumbnail heat map to help you create better thumbnails so you can see where people are landing on your thumbnail and it will give you recommendations on how to make your thumbnail better. Um, TubeBuddy has also always had the A-B testing option with thumbnails too. It wasn't always a true A-B test because it just basically, after every 24 hours, it swapped it back and forth. So it wasn't like a true A-B test where you know, random people saw it. Um, it was more of like for this 24 hours and then automatically switched it. And so for that piece, I felt TubeBuddy really had a strength when it came to thumbnail type things. But I do know there's more things happening in the background, but I've spent more time on vidIQ due to like the keyword harvesting process and really um, figuring out the right kind of content to create for my audience. Interesting. Okay. I love that. Um, so, so what are you trying next? Like next 12 months, what are some of the new things that you're going to test out on YouTube? I am honestly just trying to make YouTube simple for me. I love creating content. Um, I'm really getting specific, like I said, on my audience because I'm as scared as the next person to quote unquote niche down, right? We're afraid we're going to miss out on something. We're afraid we're going to miss a person. But what I'm realizing is I talk more specific to what would seem like, oh my gosh, I'll never get anybody watching this. I'm starting to get, first of all, more valuable comments on the video. Like, I know you talked about YouTube comments being trolly, Um, I'm now getting the more specific in the content that I get, I'm getting more heartfelt comments, more engaged comments, people asking questions. I'm actually seeing as well the traffic that comes from YouTube on my offers. I'm seeing the conversion rates higher than Instagram's. Um, One of the ones that we're always looking at because I play on both. Uh, And so I think for me, it's just really continue creating good content over on YouTube. I'm hoping to be able to spend more time creating that content on YouTube. I sometimes get into a rut as well. And I will just sit down and bang out a couple of videos back to back. But I want to figure out ways where I can tell more stories and I get more responses when I can tie in experiences that I had. Or I, I think I just, when I'm more transparent on YouTube as well, more people connect with that. And then I see obviously an increase in traffic to my business when I'm able to do that. So that's really where I'm hoping to go is just have the more time to create even more meaningful content on YouTube because I do love creating that content. And there is a great community over there, but you have to train the algorithm to find them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know that. Oh my gosh. Like the con- I, a few podcast episodes ago, y'all listened to that episode. I talked about negative comments. YouTube to me has some of the worst comments, but when mm-hmm. you train the algorithm, like you said, to help you find your people, you can actually meet amazing people. Hint, hint. I met my husband <laughs> on YouTube. So I do know. I do know it's power and it's awesomeness. 
Yes. <laughs> so for those people listening who are like, okay, I'm in, I'm ready for the YouTube experience with Trina Little, you have a YouTube handbook. Can you tell mm-hmm. us about it? Yeah, so I it's at least five to six pages long, maybe a little bit longer, but it just walks you through getting your YouTube channel set up and the different things you should be adding. So you have that professional look on YouTube. I know many of us are business owners and we want to have everything look professional. And this is a great first step to kind of like check something off the, the list to get that momentum going. And it walks through all the things you need to do to get your channel up and running to look professional. So that's at trinalittle.com forward slash handbook. Yes. And I'll put that link in the show notes, y'all. Onlinedry.com slash 265. And you can check out Trina's uh, YouTube channel, all of her socials, connect with her, let her know that you found her on this podcast. That would be amazing. Uh, Trina, thank you so much for being on the show. Of course. Thanks for having me. Love talking with you. And thank you, dear listener, for another episode of the Savvy Social Podcast. Head on over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review. Help keep us in the top 100 marketing podcasts. We kind of slipped a little a few months this year. I want to say that we, we're in the top 100 every month, and I need your, your support to do that. So thank you for listening to the show. I'll be back here next week with another episode. We'll see you then. Bye for now. 